and welcome to Two Marks and a Mic podcast. I'm Phil. And I'm Joe. So yeah, we're back, and today we are going to be talking about probably one of the most entertaining wrestlers of all time, Roddy Roddy Piper. Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year, Happy buddy. New Year. New Year, Two Marks and a Mic. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yes, yeah, hot rod. He, he debuted in 1969, and he literally went all over the world as a wrestler from Canada to... Um, Japan and all over the U.S. And I don't even know if this was me just completely selling his character as a kid, but I didn't even know he was Canadian. Like you just he so you know just I don't know I don't know if I thought he was Scottish or like well, Scotland, but you know, at least I thought he was at least American. I wasn't sure because of the whole bagpipes and kilt thing. Now, yeah. Did you know the 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 reason why it's not called a skirt versus a kilt? I know. Okay, if you wear underwear with the kilt, it's a skirt. But if you uh... if you go commando. I think under, I did hear that a long time ago. Under the kilt, you're, it's, it's a kilt. Now, in the Scottish Army, when they wear dress kilts, they have on their boots, they have little mirrors that point up, and that's how their commanding officer can see if they're not making sure they're not wearing underwear. <laughs> kind of creepy. It's like, it's like the more you know. Like. The more you know. Right, yes. Rainbow <laughs> over the more you know. Thank there you, you go. I am, I am that's full. your fun fact of today. Yeah, what a way to start the year off. It's, it's my philisms. That's great. Yeah. He wrestled all over the place, um, and uh, it was NWA, Georgia, Championship Wrestling, Mid-Atlantic, WWF, WWE, WCW, TNA. Yeah, and I didn't realize how young he started. He left home at 13. Yeah, 13, and I think he got his first like real wrestling gig at 15. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, back in that time, it was incredibly hard to break into the business. And his first match was against Perfect's dad. Exactly. Uh, uh, Larry. Larry Henning. Yeah. yeah. He, he broke his nose. He said it was a 10-second match. He goes, <laughs> yeah, he said the bell rang, and then the bell rang. Quickest match in, uh, uh, in Saskatchewan, I think, is where it was. really want to call him a shooter. When it came to his interviews. Yeah, that, like, that's where they said his big break was the mic, you know, yeah. with Chavo. With, yeah, with Chavo. Now, that was a very interesting dynamic because he had this angle in, in Mexico that was white is right. He's, yeah. you know, he's obviously a heel. And he says, I've learned the Mexican national anthem on bagpipes. And he goes to play it, and it winds up being La Cucaracha. Right. And he's like, he said, chairs that were bolted into the ground come <laughs> flying into the ring. The, the guy was a really good heater, and he, I think he had good wrestling skills, just didn't show up very much. And that was Chavo Sr. to avoid any confusion. Yes, yes Chavo Guerrero <laughs> Sr. Because when, when I first read about this, I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. What, what, what's your take on Piper, Joe? Well, like I said, I mean, I was surprised he started so young and at 13. And, uh, you know, him going into the, the local territories. And then after that feud with Chavo and he did a short stint. Well, I don't even know how short it was, but to really develop um, wrestling with uh, Don Owen, who he said he was like his father figure. Right. And he wouldn't participate in WWF events in Oregon after that as a respect for him and his territory. Right. Well, I mean, that just goes to show you the respect for someone who helped make it. It was more about being respectful back then and, and earning your way in. If you wanted to be a wrestler, you had to prove you wanted to be one. Right. So you're basically just getting, you know, they're, they're stiffing you all night long. And if you come back, you earned a small amount of respect. Yeah. And then from from Oregon, I think that kind of ran into uh, NWA. I mean, he was hot in the mic. And, and that's the one thing he said that was his driving force, you know, the mm-hmm. big break and sell the heel. And then you put him and Flair together. And, yeah. And when, when he went to Charlotte. Yeah. And that was a match made in heaven with those two. Because you got Flair's... Star power. And what psyche to be mentored by, especially for from Piper. I looked back when I was watching the documentary that we that we watched. I didn't even. I had no idea that he tagged with Flair back then. And 
I just thought about, wow, like, what a time to be alive to see that. And if you could just know how big the two of them were going to be. And then uh, that's when, uh, then so when NWA, then he, that was when he had that, the feud with Valentine and had that, that collar match, dog that collar dog collar match. match, and he busted his eardrum. Yeah, and apparently what happened was is they were, you know, that was a brutal match anyways, and they said it took a lot out of both of them. Mm. And I guess when Valentine, he had the chain wrapped around his fist, and instead of really connecting with it, he kind of cupped his hand over Piper's ear. And if you know anything about the anatomy of the ear, pressure is not good and it caused him to rupture his eardrum. Mm. And it was it was a very gory match, very bloody, especially for that time. Kind of groundbreaking mm-hmm. in that sense where uh, he, he said, yeah, he would never do that match type of match again. He said probably the most dangerous position he's put himself in in his career. And it affected him because going into, he had like long-term effects problems with equilibrium that kind of handicapped him to get a spot really in WWF right away as a wrestler because uh, he started managing like David Schultz and uh, was it Orndorff or, or yeah Orndorff. Orton Orton yeah or, no, well him and Orton ran together and I think he was they, they teamed together ran together and, and then those two were like, best you know, friends were best friends yeah the documentary that we watched you see Randy Orton talks about how Cowboy Bob, Roddy Piper were always pretty much inseparable. Yeah, he said Piper is always at the house. Apparently, Piper had actually wrestled Cowboy Bob Orton's dad. Oh, really? Yeah, Bob Orton Sr. Just to give you an idea of, of the kind of person that Piper was, I don't think he was ever afraid to do business. It was just as long as the business was right. And we're going to talk about his feud with Mr. T now. Back in this time, what comes to mind first, and I'm going to preference this, this will give somebody an idea of what I'm talking about, is Floyd Mayweather. When he came to WrestleMania 24, I think it was, and he fought. Big Show. Against Big Show. Mm. You know, if I'm not mistaken, if Floyd Mayweather got $20 million for that match. Yeah, I'm sure it was a ridiculous amount. Yeah. So this is the same, back in this time, this is the equivalent of a Floyd Mayweather coming in with Mr. T. But when you have someone who is as purist about the business as Roddy Piper was, you understand that he felt a certain way about Mr. T coming in. And it wasn't greeting him with open arms. No. And he made that very, uh, you know, I know prior to the the buildup of that, and that was also kind of like around the time the birth of Piper's pit was coming around and he would I mean he would let it be known with his very you know verbal with with Mr. T and amongst everybody else who he had on there I think it was JR who said you know he had a way that whoever went on Piper's pit would make whoever he's with look way better by saying way less and so when he was Getting real gritty with Mr. T. Didn't sugarcoat anything. Some of the stuff he said, I'm not going to repeat here because it's very uh, yeah. not nice. What do you go over here now? He basically said that the guy came in to stole the payday. And I completely agree with that statement. I don't think it's fair for someone to come in. I mean, you know, granted, it puts butts in seats, so I do get Vince McMahon's position on it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that you should... Uh, take a dump on your boys to make you know I mean okay fine bring them in but they don't need to have their own dressing room they don't need to have their own yeah give them a cameo spot you know like that's what mania is for when it comes to celebrities right let them come in do their thing and then pay him a reasonable amount because here's the thing though it's like guys in the ring that he's in the ring with it was the four of them it was Hogan T uh, Piper and Orndorff the other three guys are carrying the match and that's why Piper said every time he goes goes to throw a punch I'm going old school on him and I'm on the ground I'm going to make a where he can't move they said just pin him in the corner and yeah. let the other guy other two you know right. take it home and that's the thing. He says, let the big man take it home, big man being Hogan. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it worked. And it all started WrestleMania 1 when Piper kayfabe kicks Cindy Lauper. It's called the Rocket Wrestling Connection. Mm-hmm. And they had this uh, ceremony with Captain Lou Albano, Cindy Lauper, and her manager. And Piper came out and basically cracked a gold record over Lou Albano's head, mm-hmm. body slammed Cindy Lauper's manager. 
Dick Clark was running out of the ring like a little girl. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me. And this is when uh, the uh, call, who was it? They said, uh, I forgot who was from the commentary that. I laughed so hard. Oh. And they said, and he said, and Dick Clark's right away, and he'll never be the same again. Oh, it was, well, it was Hogan. It was Hogan's yeah. promo. Yeah. Yeah. I was dying when I was dying. He'll never be the same never again. Never be the same again. And there was a, uh, a spot in that where Lopper went to grab Piper's leg, and he kind of just shook her off. And they said, oh, my God, he kicked her. And, yeah. You know, it was just the worst kayfabe stuff ever. But but when you have celebrities come in like that, yeah, it, it does a certain draw. But I don't think it should be – you should try to make that draw more than your main talent. And I also feel like it actually almost hindered – not hindered, but was a waste of a slot for Piper and Mania too. Because he said that boxing match, he said that was the worst match of his career. And I remember watching, obviously not live, but the first time I saw that match as a kid, I remember being like, wow, probably could have been better. But, you know, that's the thing is these guys, I've said it before in previous podcasts, is that they are artists and they want to be proud of their body of work, you know? So to have them come in and have someone fart in a ring and make it to where they're not looking as best as they can. Now, sometimes the chemistry is not there even between two professional wrestlers. It's just you have to have the chemistry there. Like, like you, don't, you don't always get of Jericho and Michaels. Sometimes you just have to understand that it's going to be a stinker and there you go. And that chemistry is a lot harder tenfold when it's not even the person in the business. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like with, you know, yet again, Lawrence Taylor and Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah. That was a terrible match. Yeah. I remember not even being psyched up about that. I didn't even care. At all. I was yeah. not, not invested in that match in the slightest. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so some of his feuds were obviously Mr. T, Hulk Hogan. Jake the Snake was a very psychological heel. Right, and then you have Piper. He was the more loud mouth in your face heel. No, I agree. And what I think, what really kind of you saw a big difference from when he did his quote retirement after WrestleMania three to go into acting. And I think his time of actually acting and on screen really turned it over because when he came back at WrestleMania five and started doing the Piper's pits again, I mean, he was more entertaining. He brought more of an entertaining value to it. Yeah, he was definitely on it. Okay, side note. Do you ever see They Live, the movie that he did? Randomly, but I need I need to watch it. Yes. It's a cult classic. I mean, it's not... I know, heard he was excellent in it. He was. He's great. There is a fight scene between he, him and Keith David. Okay. Are you a fan of South Park? Yes. Okay, do you remember... Forgive me, internet. The Cripple Fight. Yes. Okay, that fight is frame for frame the fight oh, from no They kidding. Live. Yeah. Okay. Because it is so awesome. That fight scene that him and Keith David did in that movie, is it, it's just like, you thought they were really killing each other. That's funny. But to watch that fight from South Park, and then you realize it's a frame for frame. Oh, man. You know, I'm going to have to go back over and rewatch both now. Dude, it's, yeah. I got to meet John Carpenter. And as a matter of fact, I got to meet Roddy Piper. We have this, uh, well, it used to be yearly before COVID um, thing. It's actually twice a year. It's called Spooky Empire. It's a convention. So I, the one that I went to, uh, Piper, Snuka was there. Probably you know, one of the most famous uh, Piper's pits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the questions I asked him when I met him. I said, was that coconut pre-broken? He goes, absolutely not. I'm like, so you, no, I'm like, no wonder he's special now. Because you hit him with a damn coconut. And then I got to talk to him about the, um, the backlot brawl with Goldust. He told me that, uh, he showed me his knuckle. There's a shot in that where you actually hear him, like, connect with Dustin's head. And he said, that's why I don't have this knuckle anymore. Uh, because that was, because he broke his wrist with that shot. And it was, it was a stiff fight, you know? I tell you, you know, when you see the breakdown of his career, and it's like, you know, he, he wrestled and he has matches, but, you know, you, you kind of look at, like, TV times, like, wow, that's quick. Like, his career was quick because, you know, after, when he came back after the Manias and he was doing his commentary for a while, it seemed like he had WrestleMania, you know, eight with Bretton and he was done. You know, he didn't come back till 10. So, and that's one thing that part of his psychological thing was he didn't wrestle much. Yeah. Because when he did, these people are going to, they're going to pay to see me wrestle. 
No. So, and obviously, it's going to be pay-per-view buys or whatever. The less you do, the when you actually wrestle, it's more special. Uh, yeah, I agree. So, And that, that, that goes back to, even I know I've said this before, and I stand by it. I mean, that's why I think when we were kids and just only having the four pay-per-views a year, I mean, it was just, it made the buildup that much special. Absolutely. Even the, the most undercard matches are still getting 30 minutes. You know, exactly. it's yeah. nice. Well, it goes to that old adage, absence makes the heart grow fond. Absolutely. If you have a steady diet of whatever every day you get tired of it right yeah. so now when you have seven shows a week of wrestling eh, mm-hmm. i don't really care anymore mm-hmm. you know what i mean touched on it before you know you, you had your four big pay-per-view a random saturday night main event you'd have superstars or something yeah. like that on the weekends yeah. you only got you know an hour a week so this is before raw and stuff but anyways we're off topic on that another match of his that really pops out in my brain was the ic match with brett yeah brought that up i thoroughly enjoyed that match for the, the one reason was you got to see piper wrestle you got to see piper wrestle and it was cool to see piper with a title even though it wasn't the heavyweight title and it goes back to what you've said plenty of times about the hogan curse you know mm-hmm. i mean Right, and you weren't getting it, and and Piper even kind of talked about it too, and uh, he's like, you know, I, I would have lived with or without it. It was cool, but you know, Brett needed a push, right? And what you got to respect the hell out of him that for. But I did, I love that match. I meant to ask him when I met him, busted Brett open, if that was a hard way or if that was if Brett did some blading on. Him. I think it was a hard way because he was when he went to bend down to tie his shoe, it, his head was perfectly fine and his hands were down. When, uh, when so I I I think the opposite. And what's funny is I, when I was younger, yeah. I remember rewatching it and rewinding it and watching it for that same reason. And I think he bladed because at one point you see uh, once he's down, he kind of something like comes out and then the ref kicks it out of the ring. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. yeah but that was been... how. But yeah, either way, either way, that match was good enough to go back and rewatch it to yeah. see that and question that. Well, actually, WrestleMania 8, believe it or not, is one of my favorite WrestleMania. A thousand percent. I just said it to somebody at work yesterday because yeah. oh, he went to it. He's from Indiana. Oh, and, wow. Uh, and we were talking about it, and I was like, you know what? That's got to be one of my favorite WrestleMania's ever. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, and it wasn't. The card it was, itself was amazing. It was. I think my besides that match, I think my favorite match of that one. There's just so many. I mean, you, you had Shawn versus Tito Santana. Yep. You had Taker versus Jake. Forget about Hogan and uh, yeah. Sid Vicious. Or yeah, whatever. Randy Savage and yeah, Flair for that the was, title. Like, gosh, they almost did a Broadway on that. I mean, people don't know what a Broadway is. Is almost an hour. That, that match went at least thirty minutes. Well, well no, I guess because he still would do Gold Dust as backlot, bro. But I would probably say. That was probably Piper's last real WrestleMania match, right? Probably as an active participant. Yeah, exactly. Well, he came back at WrestleMania... uh, 10 for a ref. Right, but then then he came back as a surprise at WrestleMania... Whatever 2003 was. Because he came back and he hit... Hogan in the head with a pipe, and yeah, but see, that's when he had been in a bad car accident, and Vince was, was making yeah. fun of his weight gain, yeah. But you know, he also was a cancer survivor. I think it was either it was, I, I always get these two confused, and I don't mean to offend anybody with it, but I can't remember if it was Hodgkin's lymphoma or non Hodgkin's right. lymphoma, and he it was a lot of weight gain. Plus, he's had you know, he's had uh, multiple surgeries, like he says, his hip replaced, and, yeah. All that stuff. So, I mean, I know they put that in an angle in, in WCW when the NWO went after his right, hip. Remember right. Remember he held his leg out and hit the hip with a chair, and he's, like, speaking in tongues. Or and something. I think, so, was it, um, is kind of right around uh, that time where he was, you know, actively out. And he was that with the, with the King of the Ring Lawler match where they, uh, where it was terrible? Yeah, that was. I think yeah. it was at King of the Ring because they, for some strange reason, that I don't know how those two got together. He was out doing movies. Yeah. They wanted him to come back. And he came back and they wound up feuding with Lawler. And they both said the match was a stinker. 
So I, I don't know how that match really came about. I know it was it was I don't really recall the match that much except mm-hmm. for what they highlighted in the in the documentary. I've always been a fan of Lawler because he's he's a good heater. But it was kind of hard when you have two guys that are good at getting heat wrestling each other. So right. it's, it's hard it's hard to get an angle on it. I, what was interesting too is they said originally they were trying to get OJ as the opponent in <laughs> WrestleMania in that backlot brawl, and yeah. Piper's like, ah, I don't think. Yeah. Well, I, I think. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that they thought like, you know what, this is probably a little too fresh. Yeah. And then Jr. said it best. You know, eventually, when they were doing a little cheeky. Bronco chase yep. down the highway. He's like, I'm pretty sure Ron Goldman didn't think it was funny. For those who don't know, Ron Goldman. He was the guy who got killed with Nicole. Gold Dust Angle was yep. super creepy. Dustin Runnels, he could play that Gold Dust character perfectly. Yeah. We were just watching the the documentary, and there was a scene where he's like, he's in the Piper's Pit set, and he's yeah. doing all these innuendos. And my skin's crawling. This guy, he really knew how to push the the boundary of what was acceptable for the time. Yeah, and I also think what worked well with Goldust is he like he knew where the sense of the fans psyche and the genre during that time would be like God, you know what is what is this but then he's walking around with his hot wife Marley, you know his manager at the time and, and, and doing like you know there's pictures of her naked with him and whatever in there oh, alright so yeah. you know I mean he's you know straight enough for her you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know I will say that that um, Wrestlemania match was actually surprised me on how how entertaining and well done it was mm-hmm. regardless take away the oj right nonsense but the actual like participating wrestling fighting the what they did the actual fight great, great. i mean because i mean it was stiff as hell mm-hmm. i mean there was times that you heard every shot that was yeah. landed there was one that he went to go punt him in the head but you can kind of tell he pulled that one but when he there was i'll tell you there was the one when he was on the hood of the car with him and you just hear it yeah. It's not like someone punching a cantaloupe. You know, so fast forward a little bit from after that. I guess there was a time where they were working together and, and Vince wanted uh, Piper to come back, but he had done this HBO interview. Mm. And and Piper regretted the interview. Now, was this interview prior to him going to WCW? I forgot. It was after well, his think, WCW. If I'm not day. mistaken, it was after. Right, because at that point, he had told, like, he left WCW. It was like, Vince, well, I'm going for money. Hogan, Hall, and Nash. Apparently, he was button heads with those guys, and they uh, terminated him for it. So, I yeah, he took him to court for the rest of his contract or no, something. No, he took like them to court. He took them to court, yeah. He won, thank God, because yeah. they, it was it was a dumb reason they terminated him. Mm. And he came back, and I guess in, and in between there, he had done an interview with HBO, and he was very critical of promoters. Now, I'm not going to disagree with him being critical of promoters because... Wrestling is a symbiotic relationship. In order for wrestlers to have a job, you have to have promoters, and vice versa. Now, some promoters, and I'm not saying Vince McMahon is one of these guys. What I'm trying to say is, is that a lot of old school promoters from back in the day will ride a guy till he's dead and then not think twice about it. That's all Piper said. But now the way he said it was probably not very professional. Yeah. He said it was all to, Vince McMahon was to blame for it all. That I don't agree with. No. It almost came from like a more of a bitter place you could tell in the interview yeah. you could tell from what they showed now jr said it best he goes we don't know what they asked him in the interview right you know, because it's the power of editing back when that god awful beyond the mat came out yeah there was an interview with mick foley on 2020 and there was two guys was backyard wrestling and they were hitting you know these idiots out there they're hitting each other with light bulbs and all this other crap it's not wrestling it's just barbarism they had edited 2020 had edited such to where mick foley said it looked like these two guys were having a good time mm-hmm. not the case because no one condones that kind of violence no, right. I, that's why i was never a huge ecw fan when you, when you have the promoters and stuff like that they they tend to they can be a little maniacal 
Yeah, definitely unfair. Um, solely blame Vince because Vince gave him that opportunity, put him in a position for doors to open in his career. Exactly. Other than wrestling. Yeah. And then when he came back and wasn't participating, throw him on the mic as commentating. I mean, so, but the good thing is, obviously, McMahon didn't take any of it personally because they inducted him in the Hall of Fame with an awesome class. It was basically the WrestleMania 1 class, you know, yeah. so that was with Hogan and Sheik and Orndorff, and it was cool to see yeah, you, all those guys up there. Orton, you know, I was, it was awesome. Yeah, whole class was the Sheik, Paul Piper, Orndorff, Jimmy Hart. Yeah, and then um, I, can't, I think that was about it. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, he did. he's Hall of Famer. He had the uh, IC title. The only other thing is, is you know, obviously when he passed away uh, with a pulmonary embolism at age 61 in right. July of 2015, which was shocked. Yeah, I was too. Good. I mean, because I was like the year, I met him the year before that. And dude, I mean, I asked him, uh, he was walking to the lobby, hey, Mr. Piper, can I, can I buy you a beer? And he goes, uh, I break out in handcuffs when I drink. <laughs> and I'm like, Fair enough. You could tell that he wanted everybody there to have a good time. Yeah. They were in his line. He's just a really nice dude. It was, and it was sad because he was still, you know, making TV appearances. And so he was still relevant in that yeah. sense. And, well, uh, you know. I think someone like him will always be relevant. Mm. Um, he's just like Undertaker. I agree. You know, he's, he, I mean, he's held a different esteem as everybody sure. else. Piper and Flair and Hogan and all those guys, they're the ones that really paved the way. WWF in general. Yeah, exactly. You I mean, know, just they're the ones that laid the foundation for it. I mean, you, know, you, you can you can talk about your you know your Bruno San Martino's right. and all that stuff. Rock and roll connection era, but when they started WrestleMania is when it really took off. And yeah, if it wasn't for those guys, we wouldn't have what we have. It was almost like the beating heart of Vince Junior. Exactly, the Vince Junior era. Yeah. So I think that's gonna wrap it up. If you guys have any questions for us, uh, we actually have an email address. It's two marks number two marks and a mic at gmail.com. If you have any questions or you have any show suggestions you want to run by us, let us know. Yeah, we're we're ready. We're we're ready to to kick this year going and got some great ideas and gonna pump out more episodes. So it's it's gonna be awesome. Anyways, that it's gonna wrap it up for this episode. We appreciate you listening. Sorry for the long absence, but we're gonna knock it out of the park for you in twenty twenty two.